You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS 4 studio, this is a full slate of the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. We are back together again. How sweet it is. Dave Griffiths, Joe Hopkins, and the venerable Mike Chappell taking a break from his Beach Grove estate to join us. I got us. patted down coming into the building today. You better watch yourself. Me. Yeah. Don't, you, don't worry. You just had to come in with your list of all the COVID-19 tests there you've you taken at the Colts Complex, and, uh, and they, they let you walk right in and figure everybody's safe here. But um, thank you for joining us for another recap slash preview of uh, Colts football. We'll look ahead to the Week 6 matchup on tap with the Bengals, detail keys to the game, make some predictions eventually. Um, also some news around the league this week, but as always, as I do on this Thursday edition of the Colts Blue Zone podcast, I'll offer you all my, uh, my take on what happened last week in Cleveland. Joe and, uh, and Mike got into that this past Monday. You can download that edition of the Colts Blue Zone podcast right now, but I was in Cleveland on Sunday. I was traveling back on Monday, unable to join them. So being in Cleveland guys, once Again, it was like I said it after the Jaguars game. It was, I, I was stunned at the Colts' offensive coaching staff and how they decided to attack the Browns in that first half. The first drive, six pass calls, two rushes called. Next drive, six passes called, one rush called. Only on that third drive of the f- first half. Where there are more rush plays called than pass plays in the first half total, I think it was thirteen to six in terms of total plays called. One or two of those passes might have been technically eaten up by penalty that don't really count, but that's how I, that's how I got through it at least. And then there was the one kneel down at the end, which I'm not counting. I, I said it after the Jaguars game. I'm going to say it again. That's not what this offense is supposed to be. That's not how it was built in the off season. That's not what the, the playmakers on this offense. That's not how it's designed to to go. And I am, once again, Mike, I am stunned at what Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni did in this game, not establishing the run game, not using your offensive line, failing to get into a rhythm, which is something Ryan Kelly talked about after the game. We just didn't get into a rhythm in the first half, and he couldn't get into a rhythm in the first half. The coaches weren't letting them get into the rhythm in the first half. And it took them until the second half when finally they called a few run plays back-to-back. They started to eke out a few more yards. They started to do a little bit better. I think part of that's because Cleveland's playing a bit further back. They have the lead, and they can sit on it a little bit. But nevertheless, it just seems to me that Frank Reich is not playing to his strengths. And I know a lot of people point to Phillip Rivers in this game. I'm sure you guys talked plenty about Rivers' performance, which was not good. But again, Frank Reich is not putting Rivers in good situations, in my mind, as I watch the game. And Frank said as much about the safety play. He said that he was an aggressive call from him, what he did, that gave Phillip Rivers the ball in his hands to try to sit back in the pocket. That was not a quick developing route structure that they had on that play. That was a slow developing route structure. And Miles Garrett has been getting pressure all game, and he got pressure all game in spite of what Phil, uh, what head coach Frank Reich said post game, He said he thought they did a good job. And you know what? I thought they did a decent job against Garrett. I thought uh, Raven Clark did as well as he could. But still, Phillip Rivers was pressured, if not touched in the backfield, but pressured more plays than not from that side of the line. And if you call a play that's a slow-developing route structure for your guys to go out and catch a pass at the two-yard line when you know that's what you're facing, what are you doing? Like There, 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 there were just times this last week that I asked myself, what are you doing? And over the last couple years, that was, that was not the case with, with the offense. So that, that was my take, and now that I've gotten to sit on it, that's... That's my calm take on the matter. Maybe it didn't seem that calm, but there were just, I'm once again. I was just left, left curious, left wondering what Frank Reich and the offensive staff are doing by literally doubling doubling up run calls with pass calls. There, some of them might be checks by Philip Rivers. I don't know that, but you look at you look at just the raw numbers, Mike, and. Once again, to more than double up your run plays with your pass plays in the first half, which is when you're not trying to catch up, which is when you can call whatever the heck you want. That was just to me, it was stunning. The, the only, and, I, and I'm not defending them, but the, the part of the issue is they had the ball three times. You know, I think it was 18 plays plus a kneel down. But having said that, this is a team that came into the season with an identity. We're going to run the ball, we're, we're going to be physical, we're going to kind of beat you down. And five games into the season, they're trying to find the identity. 
and that to me that's self-inflicted. I, I I'll agree with you a lot on that. I I I get hung up on numbers too much, but I'm really disappointed and surprised the lack of numbers for Jonathan Taylor, especially with Marlon Mack out. I I'm trying to think what he's got. Says it's 77 attempts in in, in uh, five games, and a probably 15 of them have come in two series in the fourth quarter of games or in the second half uh, the other day in the, in, in the, the uh, fourth quarter, I think, against the uh, against Minnesota. So I, I just don't understand what they're doing. When they say we need to establish a run, well, you know, then do it. And these next two games is, are against teams with, you know, statistically bad run defenses. So, so we'll see because you, the bottom line is you're asking, like you said, they're putting the quarterback in a bad position. They're asking this quarterback to do things that at this stage of its career he's not capable of doing consistently. So it, it's on it's on to them to fix it. I'm writing later today about the two biggest issues with the, the offense. It's the lack of a run game and it's the lack of explosive plays. Where are they? I mean, they're just not getting the ball down the field. And until they can stretch the defense, I think I saw a stat that that Jonathan Taylor's running against stack boxes at 22% of the time. And Marlon Mack was 12% last year with a quarterback that wasn't pushing the ball down the field. Yeah. So it it makes no sense. It just seems like from week to week they're they're sort of grasping, and it, that's to me that's uncharacteristic for these guys. Joe, uh, what what was your brief take watching watching Sunday's game before we move on to this week? I mean, I can't really argue with any of you guys. It almost seems like you know Frank Wright got his old toy back in Philip Rivers and wants to do some more of those old things, and that's just not what he's capable of doing anymore. Uh, defenses, you know, clearly by the stacked boxes are daring Philip Rivers to beat them, and he's been incapable of doing so thus far. It was uh, it would be it'd be nice to have a couple downfield plays that T.Y. Hilton catches. I mean, he, he's drawn a lot of penalty yards. Let, let's say that before we move I think on. There's four DPIs he's, he's drawn which, so far. Which is great, but I think there's a big difference between a DPI call and actually catching the ball down the field. The defense reacts to that differently. The defensive coaching staff reacts to that differently. Um, well, you know, we can just bring Deion Kane back if that's all we want out of our Perfect. receivers is a yeah. deep pass interference. Our, our, our pass interference specialist. Well, right Deion now, your deep threat's Marcus Johnson. Yeah. Or Doolin had a nice one. Right. Yeah, so so they, they've got. They've, They've got to get Ty going, not not possession, you know, not not the the third and eight for for twelve yards. They need to get him downfield where people respect him again, and that was the case in in two thousand eighteen. I haven't got the numbers in front of me, but he had tons of plays for thirty yards or more with Andrew Luck. So so I, I realize we're we're talking apples and oranges on mm-hmm. quarterbacks, but they've got to return to where Ty is is a threat. To stretch the field. I mean, Joe, as the fantasy guy yourself, there are certain stars in the league that even if they've had a couple of struggling weeks, they're not droppable. You got to keep them on your roster. T.Y. Hilton has either crossed that threshold or he is dangerously close to being droppable in fantasy football. Yeah, he's been a, you know, he kind of went in the middle rounds with a bunch of other yeah. receivers that you were kind of like, eh, and he's been a complete bust this year. And I don't know if it's a lack of chemistry with Rivers. I mean, I'm sure that's a big part of it, especially Rivers. Not a guy with a big arm. Timing is going to be a huge factor in getting the ball out there, but it hasn't been there this year. So let's move on to news across the league this week. ESPN's Adam Schefter reports. COVID alert, COVID alert. Yeah, there it is. We, we need a, we need a, uh, a sound effect. <laughs> a little siren. That the Atlanta Falcons shut down their facility after one positive test. Um, later reported, an NFL official said just one member of Falcons personnel staff had a positive test. It's not a player. So that's... I mean, not not that anything is good in this vein, Mike, but it's it's not as bad as it could be. A player in with the other players who spends a lot of time, you know, around other players that could potentially lead to a greater chance of spreading it to other players, um, and then b- thus make the weekend's game uh, a little bit. More. I forget who they're playing, but they're, that game, Minnesota, Minnesota. isn't it? Yeah, yep. the Vikings. Uh, the Vikings seems like they've been they've been hit hit on pause before. Was it a Titans game that? That was affected with Minnesota. I don't. I don't remember, but it seems like we mentioned them as a team that was. Yeah, it might have been something earlier. rescheduled. Yeah, but anyway, just um, Joe. Joe point, just points out here: is this a matter of time before this impacts the Colts? I think that's a. It's a good question to ask. I'm not sure if if that's the exact right way to put it. It's only a matter of time. 
because I, I don't know. I, I th- it just seems like there's so many other, so many pockets that aren't affected somehow. But I, I think we could all agree, Mike. The more you play, the more you get into the season, the more you travel, the more likely it becomes. I, I, I'm not going to say it's a foregone conclusion. I think that would be a little hasty. But at the same time, I, I guess just the more you're in this environment that's not bubbled away like the NBA and the NHL were able to do brilliantly, then it, it just becomes more of a likelihood as the season progresses. And we're only in week six right now. Well, and, and what you can say before it impacts the Colts, I know. I, I assume you're talking necessarily about just them. A, a, yeah, po- yeah. a positive it, it could test. be the team they're facing. It, it could yeah. be correct. So I, I think it's only. I do think it's a matter of time okay. before one of their games is impacted, either for, for one of their players or personnel or somebody from Green Bay or Pittsburgh that impacts that game coming up. Well, so I mean, technically, they had a game move from one o'clock to four o'clock, right. so it kind yeah. of got impacted then. Right. So, and again, it's it's just. It's just it's the odds. I mean, you're talking about again, 53 players, 66 players with the practice squad, the staff going home. We've talked about this ad ad nauseum, and and to to think that you can go three or four months without somebody being in touch with somebody and then bringing it back, it is the odds are so long. But uh, all I know is the Colts of like like the vast majority of teams have done. These players get tested every day. We were talking before we went on here. I get tested two or three times a week mm-hmm. to, to watch practice, and so it's they, they're doing all they can do. But there's only so much you can do when when you have when Philip Rivers goes home to his wife and nine kids. Yeah, they've not stayed in the house all day. Mm-hmm. So it's it's I don't want to say you cross your fingers and hope because that's not the way to do it. But you take all the precautions, and then things happen, and you have to adjust. I want to see what happens again. We're, we're five weeks in. You know, th- there's been talk about is there going to be an 18th week for the for the makeup games? I, I just think to, to think we're not going to have to go to something extreme. Uh, I, I think that's going to be the case as we get in November, December, just because of the number of games, the number of players. Something's going to happen somewhere to force the NFL's hand. Yeah, they've already had to tap dance uh, quite a bit. I, mean, I saw the, the NFL sent out a release last week that just showed all eight these games. different, was different games jumping from one to the right. next to the other week to that right. week, and you're facing this team instead of that team. And um, th- th- there's only so much you can do in that vein. And uh, I mean, God bless the scheduling guys who have to go through and try to figure that out. Um, but and a heck of a job they've done so far, even just just that one week, seeing how complicated it was to be able to figure things out. But uh, it, it's not going to get any easier uh, as you look forward uh, for the New England Patriots. Uh, good news for them. Cam Newton and Stefan Gilmore returned to practice on Thursday. That's today as we record this podcast. Cam was sent to the reserve COVID-19 list on October 3rd. So this day is what is today? The 15th, the 16th, the 15th. So 15th. that's 12 days if today is indeed the 15th afterwards. I put 13 here because I can't count. Um, and Stefan Gilmore uh, tested positive on October 7th. This is only five days later for him. But if you're uh, the, the, the rule is if you test negative twice in a 24-hour span, then you're allowed to return to practice. So within five days, Gilmore was able to test negative twice and return to practice. Um, so good news for the Patriots, I guess, for sure even though that might not be a welcome news for people who are not Patriots fans. And I'm sure there are a lot of those out there listening to this podcast. Um, the, the, the last note I will get to uh, news around the league is, well, if you, we didn't get him two years ago, heck, what, 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 why don't we go out and get him now? Uh, Le'Veon Bell is a, a free agent once again. And uh, the Jets and he, that marriage did not work out. Let me say this first, Mike. Uh, the Steelers look better and better after everything that went down with him two years ago when he sat out. He got the franchise tag. He sat out. They did not give him the deal he wanted. And if you, you look back in the in the not-too-far-back machine, he was probably the best running back in the NFL two years ago, certainly the best receiving threat running back in the NFL. And now he is uh, on the beach looking for work. It, it just shows you how teams – and I was going to say, if, unless you had the elite guy, which he was – they think you're replaceable if you're running back. Yep. And the Steelers Joe. with James Conner, I mean, that's... More evidence. <laughs> Don't pay running back. Yep. True. I'll pay him for four years and then move on. Right. Yeah. And I'm trying to think what the crazy stat I saw that 
how much money he got from the Jets. It was like twenty-eight million. It was it, it, it was it was monopoly money for, yeah. for for no more than he did. But some the idea of him going to Kansas City in that offense is is it's not fair. It boggles the mind. Yeah. Doesn't but, it just feel like he's going to end up there too. Yeah, it does. It does it does? I, I traded away Clyde Edwards Elaire today because I'm scared Ooh, that. Ooh, okay. Ooh, yeah. I, yeah. I hope you got a good haul back. Still. I got Dalvin Cook. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Him. Dalvin's a good choice. I like that. Um, but yeah, the, I, I saw someone report online that the three options, the three that he's considering, are Kansas City, Miami, and Buffalo. So certainly three different locations: Kansas City, the reigning champs; Miami, nice uh, South Beach atmosphere. I think he would enjoy just being in Miami more so than he would actually playing for the Dolphins. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But And then Buffalo is a team that interesting. is a really heck of a good team. That'd be a really interesting backfield with him and Josh Allen, uh, I think. Uh, and then, boy, Buffalo looks like, e- even though they lost to the Titans last weekend, man, Josh Allen looks looks good. I was, list- I was listening to, to who was it? It was, um, I, forget, I forget the guy's name, but I was listening and it was like, he was saying something like Buffalo seemed to coach the stupid out of Josh Allen. <laughs> it was it was maybe a crass way to put it, but it was it was a funny way to put it, I thought, because that was what everybody's take was on Josh Allen the past couple years. And this year he has been making those stupid decisions. So props to the Buffalo coaching staff. And I mean, you, you look at a guy like Sean McDermott, who's a defensive guy, but he and that offensive staff. I don't know, Joe. Can you look up who their offensive or quarterback coach is over in Buffalo? Because Mike, he he's been he's been dangerous. I don't know how much of that Titans Bills game you watch, but he he was fun. And of course, the the Titans uh, certainly look great too right now. Another AFC South team. The Colts have to contend with. Yeah, I paid more attention to Tennessee, and yeah. I, I keep not wanting to believe. Yeah, but but, but I'm telling you, yeah, when, <laughs> when 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 you can when Tannehill plays like that, and you can and you can have Derrick Henry do what he does. Including throwing Josh Norman around like a rag oh doll. Oh my gosh! But uh, but yeah, I, uh, Buffalo. There's something there. They're playing. They've got a good defense, although they're giving up a lot of points. But Josh Allen is just playing lights out. Had a couple of bad mistakes in that game. He did, yes. But they're they're, they're for real. They really are, Joe. Yep. So the uh, offensive coordinator is Brian DeBall. And then the quarterback coach is Ken Dorsey. So ah, really, yeah, 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 Miami. It's all about the U, Ken Dorsey, former nearly uh, national champion that year that Ohio State uh, pass interfered or didn't pass interfere, and Maurice Claret and, and all that. I, I remember that year. I have friends. I, I lived in Tallahassee, you Florida. You must have lost some money on that. Well, I lived in Tallahassee, Florida sore. for five years. Dave and, just went somewhere no, else for a no, second. I did. I did. My, 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 uh, one of my good friends down there who is the pastor of my church down in Tallahassee is like a huge, uh, huge Miami fan, which is somewhat ironic that uh he's a miami fan living in tallahassee but uh he that was that's like uh probably 1a on his uh, all-time list of uh of worst sports experiences can't let it go huh yeah exactly one of those type of things but anyway um it just just set me back to another time so uh let, let's do, do retur- you need a few minutes or no you, i'm good let's right. return to this time i'm good <laughs> i'm back i'm back here we are as the colts this week take on the bengals Inside Lucas Oil Stadium, where the horseshoes are 2-0 so far this year, so that's nice. Injury report, got to deal with it going into the week. And on Wednesday, several Colts missed practice. Those are Darius Leonard, groin, Justin Houston, hip, Julian Blackman, groin, Mo Cox, knee, Trey Burton. That was just a rest period, though, not an injury issue. Danico Autry with knee and ankle issues. So as we report this today on Thursday... Um, the official practice participation report has not been released, but based on the tweets of our fine colleagues out there at the Indy Star and the Athletic, et cetera, et cetera, who are out of practice today, it appears Darius Leonard was not at practice on Thursday, and Mo Ali Cox was not at practice on Thursday, and Danico Autry was not at practice on Thursday. So Justin Houston and Julian Blackman were the two who were injured and returned, and Trey Burton from his rest was back out there as well. Mike, that's not the most uh, encouraging news, but I will say that uh, it is encouraging that Anthony Costanzo was limited on Wednesday, and he was out there. Jordan Wilkins out. Uh, I don't know if Jordan Wilkins was out there uh, today on Thursday, but uh, to see Costanzo back and the Colts record without him now fell to two and eleven, I believe, after their loss last week. Um, out of all those names, as important as some of those names are. Having Costanzo back gives you certainly gives you more hope, I think, than any one of those returning. Glad to see AC, the left tackle, back there on the field. Yeah, I think he is back, and I, I, I was 
before we went to practice yesterday, I thought maybe they would hold him out. You get the bye week and next week and give these guys really a lot of time. But the fact that he's back, I think he plays Sunday. We talked to Darius Leonard today, and well, the fact he's not practicing is, is just that speaks. I think he, I think they're going to wait for the uh, bye week for that. He said, "Yeah, I'm getting close, but we'll see." I, I just don't think that's going to happen. We talked to Justin Houston on Tuesday, and he said he'll be out there. Sometimes I don't listen to players. I listen to Justin Houston. I, I just do. Uh, Molly Cox with uh, with the knee. We'll see. He was hobbled around a little bit, I think, in Cleveland. Yes, he was. Uh, and well, they threw the ball to him twice. It wasn't a lot. He, he and Jack Doyle had three Where targets. Where the heck is Jack? That's another thing that well, I didn't get to in my rant earlier. Okay, Where's well, Jack Doyle? Let me give you another rant. They they had... We're getting. We're not following your script, Joe. Yeah, Sorry, Joe. Fine. But they they had seventeen completions to their running backs at Jacksonville. They've had eighteen in the last four games. So it, it's it's like they're trying to do things, but all of a sudden they've they've lost Jack. He's eighty four. He's he's number eighty four. He's he he's just a guy that you you need to find some way to keep him involved. Now maybe the the Cleveland thing was. With the Raven Clark, he he was kept in the block more. I don't know, but uh, I even got his game by game numbers. But that's but he, one he, game. It's been five. It's games. been five games. Yeah, he had one game where he was semi active, but other than that, no. So I, I yeah, let's. The, he's eighty four. He's number eighty four. Number eighty four in your program, Joe. Number one in your heart. Where where the heck is Jack Doyle? I have no idea. My da- my you know dad. That's my dad's favorite player, yeah. and he's not too happy about it right now. So I'll have to. We'll have to let Jack Doyle know. Well, if uh, Mo Alley Cox is out uh, this weekend, well, you certainly better hope that he gets a couple looks out there. You would hope. And Julian Blackman has played pretty well in uh, in more playing time than usual with the loss of Malik Hooker this year. And I, I, I've I've brought up how much I like safeties. I'm really impressed with Julian Blackman uh, and and how he has been consistent so far. Uh, I still think uh, you're obviously not going to judge somebody based on five weeks or four weeks, I guess in his case, since he was out the first week. Uh, but nevertheless, I, I've been he's practiced like two weeks full time. Yeah, that's crazy. Seriously, it is T- ten, ten months outside of uh, ACL surgery. And people keep bringing up this uh a, a, like a pre-draft uh, report on. On him, that was he was he was the bad Utah safety coming out or something like that. He wasn't the the other Utah safety was better. Yeah, okay, we'll, we'll take this one. I think Colts fans will say and be pretty happy about it. Um, Danico Autry as well missing with knee and ankle issues. No Wednesday, maybe no Thursday as well. If we were to believe our fine colleagues out there at Colts headquarters, um, defensive line could uh, could use some uh, some stability as well. If you look at the Bengals, um, they're uh, they look a little. Shady themselves, we will say, on the injury report. Um, defensive tackle DJ Reader, uh, defensive end Sam Hubbard, placed on injured reserve this week. Uh, corner Darius Phillips did not participate Wednesday. Cornerback uh, Mackenzie Alexander was limited on Wednesday with a hamstring. So that's a lot on the, excuse me, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Auden Tate, the young wide receiver, did not practice with a shoulder injury. AJ Green, the veteran wide receiver was limited with a hamstring injury. It just seems like A.J. Green gets banged up every year. He's never 100%. Well, once again, A.J. Green's not 100%. Uh, running back Giovanni Bernard, uh, also limited uh, uh, in their Wednesday practice. So, I mean, th- you're at the point, obviously, where you deal with injuries here and there, but certainly some big names and some big weapons uh, on the offensive side of the ball for, uh, for the Bengals, even though they're not their most significant weapons. Uh, they are certainly maybe uh, second-tier guys or second-option guys that – uh, that quarterback Joe Burrow will not have. And heck, Joe Burrow's had a pretty good start to his career. Um, he's had, let's see, averaging 277 passing yards, um, 41 pass attempts per game. So, Mike, he's back there slinging it. Um, six pass touchdowns to three interceptions, so not exactly lighting up the scoreboard there, but completing 65% of his balls. He runs fairly well, um, and when he's able to get the ball off and the offensive line is able to protect him, uh, he can be a dangerous guy, which is what everyone saw of him at LSU last year. The more pressure the Colts can get on him, I'm sure, the better that the defense will be come Sunday afternoon. Yeah, you, you were leading up to the the, the big butt, <laughs> butt. With, with Burrow's game, and that's 22 sacks. Right. Uh, he, he's constantly on the run. We were looking at this. Uh, he's on pace for 70 sacks. The league record is 76. Yep. 
by David Carr as a rookie, and, and they beat the football out of him. So you, you have the Colts to, played a big role in that too, if correct, I remember correctly. Correct. Yes. So you know you, you you give the guy major marks for for getting up every time, but at some point uh, you don't want to see a team. I don't say ruin a quarterback, but I mean Deshaun Watson in Houston. You know these mobile quarterbacks. It, that that's a blessing and a curse. So th- this will be a great test for the Colts defense to keep him. What do they call it? Keeping in a well. They, they, that's their, their phrase. Keep him in the pocket. Because last week, uh, Baker was not kept in the pocket, and that's when he made his plays. Yep, for the most part. Yep. So I just kept, it just strange that whether it was Danico Autry or Justin Houston, they kept biting inside and letting him get outside. Keep this guy in the pocket. You know, we talked to uh, the Forrest Buckner today, and he said about rushing the quarterback. He said, "Well, you have to earn the right to rush the quarterback, <laughs> and to do that, you have to stop Joe Mixon." Yeah. So if they can do that. Uh, I, I think they can create some major problems for, for Burrow, but but you have to get in a position to rush him first. Mixon, his numbers are certainly not electric this year. Less than 400 rushing yards, only two touchdowns there. Uh, does have another touchdown uh, catching the ball. He's caught 19 balls through five weeks of the year. Um, but he's certainly a dynamic guy, and he would be their first choice at running back. Wide receiver Tyler Boyd has the most catches on the team with 32. Um, so Burroughs found him more often than he has anyone else. And the thing that Boyd is, he is a downfield threat. He's second in the NFL, only behind your boy, Mike, DeAndre Hopkins, in receptions for a first down. So he's not just a guy that can catch it in the flat or catch it on a quick screen or catch it on a uh, slant. Like he'll, he'll do the deep in, the 15 yards down the field. He'll do the deep out 15 yards down the field, the post, whatever it might be. He, he can get 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 free joe and uh if your secondary isn't on it back there then he could uh hit you for some big yardage yeah he's really been burrow's go-to guy and burrow loved the slot uh at lsu as well targeting justin jefferson um and that's where boyd plays averaging around 11 yards per reception which is pretty good for a slot receiver a lot of those underneath routes but like you said he's definitely capable of taking it deep as well and then t higgins the rookie out of clemson uh, is playing pretty well for a rookie um second on the team in receiving yards with 214. T. Higgins taken right before Michael Pittman Jr., 33rd overall, first pick in the second round. Uh, if we all look back to uh, the NFL draft day uh, that uh, the Colts got their, got their guy one pick later who has uh, not been able to show what he can do due to injury this year. On the other side of the ball, the Bengals' defense, not too much to write home about. They are not exactly that high in the NFL in takeaways, 23rd five interceptions on the year they are 23rd as well in sacks so in the bottom third in the league in both takeaways and sacks two big important factors defensive end carl lawson has three and a half sacks that leads the team no one else has more than one they're allowing the third most rush yards per game the third highest yards per carry per game for the love run as Philip Rivers would say, the dag gum. If ball. not now, when? <laughs> That's one of your I mean, favorite phrases. If not now, if when? If not now, when? I mean, because it's you. You need to. They're going to let you. So don't, don't you know? Don't overthink it. Yep. Don't overthink it, Joe. Run, run the ball. Run, run the, the damn ball. I'll wear the hat. <laughs> Where's your hat? Where, <laughs> That's a promise. It's a hat. And the Cincinnati, uh, the pass defense is uh, is ninth best in the NFL. They're only allowing 228 yards per game. That's pretty good. Um, uh, so, so yeah, they, they do. Like I said, have a couple of uh, defensive backs injured at least right now. We'll see if they're able to suit up come come Sunday. But you got you got to attack them at their weakness, which is supposed to be your strength. Man, make it work. Grind them. They're going to the come out Sunday. The Colts pass, pass, pass. The first six players are going to be pass plays. Don't uh, you and know? I'm going to be banging my head against the uh, the table. In you could be re- you could be removed if, if you be. do that. Yeah, there's no cheering in the press box. There were a couple in Cleveland at the very beginning. There was not, not cheering, but there were some. There were some uh, definitely pro Browns uh, chatter. Uh, it's hard for me to explain what it was because I because I don't remember what it was exactly. But it was, so so this is this is on me. But it was it wasn't exactly cheering in the press box. But it was definitely you could tell that it was it was not exactly journalistic chatter in, in the press box. Waving I, their fists in yeah, the air and like that, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Go Browns. Exactly. But um, well, yeah. Anyway, we're, we're moving on. Keys to the game. Um, first one for the Colts, and this is something that really I think. We've touched on clearly already. It's something we recently touched on. So that's the pass rush has to get to Burrow. 
Mike, you mentioned allowing most sacks in the NFL. And I'll, I'll just uh, harken back to last week when uh, Baker Mayfield was able to get out of the pocket and get free. Like, you sent four guys. Four guys couldn't contain Mayfield. Four guys might be able to contain Joe Burrow, A, because he's a rookie, and B, because he's not as mobile as Baker Mayfield. But you have to send as many guys as it takes, Joe, to keep him in the pocket and to keep that pocket condensed. I mean, because you saw last week that your defense, and and like no defense, can consistently cover down the field five, six, seven seconds. You've got to be able to get to the quarterback and hit him, rattle him, get him down, force him to get the ball out of his hands, and not let him escape the pocket and just get more time to knife through your defense. Yeah, and I mean, we talked about leading into the game last week how well that Cleveland offensive line it was, was playing it was, one yes. of the best in the NFL yeah so credit to them too they get paid too they're on scholarship too as absolutely they now they're playing one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL this everything about it from the Bengals defense to the Bengals offense it just has a feel of a get right game for the Colts and they need it to be if they're going to do it it needs to be in this situation I think the line for this game I, I saw somebody post about this I, Joe, Joe's looking it up but I think I saw the line opened at like seven or seven and a half point favorites for the Colts. It's even moved to eight or eight and a half point favorites for the Colts. So it's moved in that direction. Obviously, the uh, the, the fine folks uh, who are uh, who are heavy on this game have a lot more faith in the Colts offense. What what does that say, Joe? Sorry, am I am I on? Am I off? It's making me update the new version. So we'll gun. see in a minute. Jeez. Yeah, we'll, we'll, get, we'll come back to it in five minutes. But um, <laughs> yeah, after just one sack last week against Cleveland. Um, Guys like a DeForest Buckner, who, uh, Mike, you mentioned talking to the media this week, need to uh, uh, hopefully do a, a little bit better job back there. On offense, geez, run the dag gumball. Uh, I, I'm doing a story this week about Phillip Rivers and, and how he uh, he talks more uniquely than uh, than some other players in shoot. the NFL. Well, we'll leave it like that. Shoot, shoot, shoot. gum. Oh, shoot, dag gum. Dag gum was a Bobby Bowden thing, so that's been in my vernacular since I moved to Tallahassee back in 2010. So he, he, he The other last week he was... Run the stew out of the ball. Yeah, run which, the stew out. Of now it. I've not heard that before. No, neither have I. That that one's a unique one for me too. But anyway, r- give the rushing attack the time it needs. Like, and and I think God love Frank, and I do. I think Frank Reich's a good. Don't don't get me wrong when I say I like Frank Reich and I like Nick Sirianni. But they've just they they've seen something shiny. I think in their passing game. And and in Philip Rivers and what they uh, know he was capable of, at least, and they've turned away from what this offense should be with with the running game. And in spite of Marlon Mack being down, it's still got to be that type of running game with Jonathan Taylor, with Jordan Wilkins if he's healthy enough to be out there, with Naheem Hines. R- run the ball. Let the offensive line get into rhythm. Like like I was saying just earlier, Joe, like if Ryan Kelly was saying we didn't get into a rhythm in the first half, it took us to the second half to actually be able to feel good running the ball. Well, we'll help them. G- give them some help. Call some more run plays. If it leads to more opportunities for a three and out, then then, then so be it. But gum, give them the opportunity to try to get in a rhythm. Run the ball and give them more screen pass. I don't understand. This is two years in the row that the receiver core has been banged up. Yeah. And you'd think they would throw the ball to their talented running back group more, especially Naheem Hines. And we just have not seen that since week one. Yeah, that's been puzzling, Mike. Where has Naheem Hines gone? And even like we saw Isaiah Rogers back returning kicks, and deservedly so. He brings one back for a touchdown. This is the, the, the least talked about kickoff return for touchdown ever just because of the, the final result of the game and how it completely got swallowed up in, 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 the, uh, in all the other storylines of the game. But um, but props to Isaiah for doing that, number one. But Naheem Mines, even without that, like he, he's back returning punts, which he does sometime, but you don't see him as much in the offense right now. It's it's like they're still trying to figure out how to use him. Yeah. Again, the first game. You've had, had him for three, four years like, now. Was it 17 years, touches yeah. in the first game? And, and I'm, I'm still not huge on him being my number two running back. I, I just don't know that's how he's built. But having said that, he's the one that's given him the pops in the run game. Yep. With 10, 12, or whatever it's been. Of course, then he's also had a couple of minus threes, which I put more on the offensive line than, yeah, I, if you get beat, than, I, yeah. than I do him. So it's, it's just, as I said this early on, it's just crazy that a team with an identity is having an identity, identity, an identity crisis, crisis right now, yeah. which, which, is, which is strange. And 
I think they've sort of boxed themselves into a corner where for the running game, you need to be patient with it. You need, because there's going to be times where it's not, it doesn't, you may have a three and out or whatever. And I think they're feeling the pressure or, or, or let's say urgency to have things happen quicker and to get their offense going quicker. So will they have the patience to stick with a run game if it takes a quarter or a quarter and a half to get it going? I don't know. Well, it's weird because they've been scoring early better than they've been scoring late. You know, the past few weeks they've been putting more points up on the board early in the games, and they just don't stick with whatever they're doing. They, they have eight touchdowns this year, four of them on the opening drive. Yeah. it's And the other one that, that, that they didn't was against, was it Minnesota? The interception to uh, Alley Mo Ali Cox. Cox. Yeah. So it's, it's, and they script the first 15, 20 plays. But after that first drive, they just don't have the efficiency. And I went back and looked at it, and Frank mentioned this too, that on a lot of those first possession drives, there's not a lot of third downs. Mm-hmm. It's first down, second down, first down. And that brings up, the, again, what, what, the, the two biggest issues are third down efficiency and red zone. They're, they're turning Blankenship into a Pro Bowl kicker. Yeah. Because he's, he's kicking 35 yeah. yard field goals. Uh, good for him. He's 15 for 17. Most Those are the most attempts and in, in, in made field goals in team history for the first five games. But you're doing it at the expense of an offense that just simply can't finish. And, and I was that's a point that I made, I think it was on Twitter, just when I was sitting watching this last week. Like the the times you get in the red zone, the Colts were one for four in the red zone against the Browns, able the to last convert. Two weeks has been the right. same. Yeah. So you get in your one for four, that's twelve points you leave on the field in those specific areas. The Colts lost by nine points. I mean, I'm not saying that, oh, you got to convert every time in the red zone, but I am saying at the end of the game, it is a completely different game if you're not down by nine, if you're down by three uh, or something like that, if you're down by uh, or if you're ahead by one. Like though we, we were saying, what was I going to say? Um, I've, it, it, it's gone. But anyway, it, it, be, you have to be able to convert in the red zone. The teams that are down there with Mike, I think you pointed this out, in fact, that the teams that are below you in red zone conversion are, I think it's Cincinnati, the Giants, and the Jets, which are combined. One, one, 13 and one. One, 13 and one. There nice, it is. Nice, nice neighborhood, huh? Right? And you're three and two. Uh, and been able to get those three wins with a great defensive effort in a couple of those games. But And, and they've, they've been down there 19 times. Yeah. It's like third most in the or tied for third most in the league. It's yep. just you're not, whatever's going wrong. Ben, but don't break offense. One, one of the <laughs> you could tell it was a bad game by uh, by Rivers, where how snippy, I don't, short he was, curt he was with his with his answers after the game at Cleveland. And somebody asked about is either red zone or third down or both, and he mm-hmm. said, "If we had the answer, we would have already solved it." Yep. So he was he's getting a little bit uh, frustrated. Frustrated. Yes, he word. is. And he said on that one, the second interception, not the pick six. But the second interception, he he gave like a, a quick response was like, "That's all you're going to get about that." Right. Yeah. It, it's not the Philip Rivers that we've come to right. come to know and uh, come to know in the past couple weeks. Well, it's just so puzzling. You got your three tight ends and Allie Cox, Doyle, and Burton. Get them all on the field. Jonathan Taylor. I mean, can you guys remember a play action play down there in the red zone near the goal line? Half the defense is going to bite on Taylor and then send the tight ends out on a route. It it just I know it's more complex than it seems, but one of the big problems thus far is getting T.Y. Hilton involved in the red zone. He had five touchdowns last year early yep. before he got hurt, and they were all red zone. Yep. And this year I think he's had – I broke it down. I think he's had like three targets, four targets in the red zone. So, and, 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 you know, we're, we're making it simplified, but but they've got to get this fixed. At, at some point, th- this isn't something where we, we, we've got time to get this fixed. No, I mean, it's, we're after five weeks in. And like you said, leave them points on the field. We can argue that the red zone or, or the quarterback throwing a pick six and a safety, that's nine points in a nine-point game. And in Jacksonville, he throws – his interceptions led to ten points mm-hmm. in a seven-point game. So they're just not doing enough – they're doing just enough to get beat in these self-inflicted damages that a lot of them – 
go back to the quarterback. It, it just does. So until he starts playing at a high enough level consistently, this offense is going to struggle. That was one of the two stories I really filed for our, uh, our Fox 59 Sunday night show uh, that we do every, every week for every Colts game. It was about Phillip Rivers, and it was about his performance. It was about um, uh, his maybe a perceived... Um, hold on that QB number one job? Because I know there's a lot of people who are outside of the locker room, at least, asking about that, about, well, what is Philip Rivers going to be the quarterback next week or the week after? Because you have Jacoby Brissett there, and you look back, oh, Jacoby Brissett was 5-2 and two to start things out last year before he got hurt. Ten touchdowns, three interceptions. Jacoby Brissett certainly had a much better touchdown-interception ratio. He did much better in the red zone than Philip Rivers has. And so you, you, you look at those things, and... I, I would find it very hard to believe the Colts ever go away from Phillip Rivers, Mike. It, 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 it just would, sounds like it would be a really hard sell, A, to Rivers, because if that happens, he's not playing next year. And the Colts, I think, still want him to play next year. At least right now they do. Well, but if he, if, if he plays like this, right, that's he, he won't be back. Right, completely. I, I, don't, I don't think. Completely agree. I just I, I find it hard to believe they will ever turn away from Phillip Rivers. It, 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 and Unless it's way near the end of the season, and at that point, maybe you're trying to see what Jacob Eason has learned in the first 14, 15 weeks, just being on the team. Well, then the, you'd really have to be in the dumpster. Exactly. No, exactly. That. You could you would not be anywhere close to the playoffs. You'd be eliminated from the playoffs. I just don't see Jacob Brissett taking starters reps, save for an injury to Phillip Rivers, and the Colts still in contention for the playoffs. Yeah, it, I talked to... Dan Orlovsky on Monday, he had a tweet out on Sunday night after the game that that they that they need to be thinking about making a change. So I thought, oh, you know, I, I don't, I really pick and choose which media voices I listen to because there's a lot of stupid people amongst us. And hey, I'll, 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 what are you know, saying? I know it, it's a, it's a it's a it's a, it's a, it's a it's a large <laughs> umbrella, but I, I I really respect him and what he says. And so I talked to him, and he just said that as it is right now, the quarterback is holding this team back. He he's really, and I realize there's a lot of things going to it, but but he's primarily the overriding reason they lose at Jacksonville and in Cleveland with the mistakes. He said this team is not built for reckless play at the quarterback position, and he's right. It, it's it's to run the ball, it's to play solid defense, and have that quarterback make those handful of plays that Brissett did not make last year. And I asked him, I said, well, are you ready to make that move to Brissett? He said, no. He said, but to me that they have to at least internally be be preparing for that emotionally. If the time comes, they've got to do it. We've talked to Frank Reich. This is, I mean, unless he's just putting on a good face, he's he's nowhere close Doesn't sound to like that. It. And the problem is it sounds a, a lot like I don't bring up a bad topic for Joe again, but Adam Vinatieri last year, to where you know we, we he, he's our kicker, we trust him, and it went a long time before they made the change, and it took an injury really to where he couldn't perform anymore. But I would, I'm very curious to see what it would take, what level of play it would take to make him pull the trigger. I I also think Joe, before you hop in, I, I think that the Colts would have to. Some certainly be below 500. So if they win this week against Cincinnati, that puts them two games over 500. And then you're at Detroit. Exactly. Then you're at Detroit. You got uh, Baltimore's. Baltimore's coming up. Obviously, I mean you're going to get to the tougher teams uh, after the bye, and uh, a couple weeks after the bye, you get that Baltimore. You get the is it the Packers? Tennessee's uh, in there, and the Packers. And so I mean that's going to be a heck of a stretch. Absolutely. But and, that, but that's when you need to be playing your best football right there and the way you were built to play and at that point like if you make a change and you're trying if you're trying to once again you make a change and then you're really completely selling out on trying to develop an identity under philip rivers then you're trying to develop an identity all over again i don't care if you had Jacob Brissett last year you can't just pick up exactly where you left off in some ways it's kind of back to square one trying to build things up so when you get that late in the season uh, I just think, what's the point in changing to a quarterback? Because right now it's not going to happen, period. If anybody's upset about that, sorry. It's just not going to happen right now. And like we've said, if if the Colts lose in embarrassing fashion to the Bengals and to the Lions, 
that then maybe we're having a different different discussion. But uh, if they do what they're supposed to do against the Bengals and the Lions, then uh, I think it's going to be very hard pressed to ever see another starting quarterback besides Philip Rivers this year. Well, and the time would do it to do it would be the bye. Like if Rivers Perhaps. falls on his face again this week, yeah. maybe you think about it. I don't think, you know, me and Mike Mike brought up the point on Monday of well. Going with Brissett would be them admitting they made a huge mistake in Phillip Rivers. $25 million mistake. Yeah, right. and they're going to do everything they can to not make that mistake. At a certain point, though, you're making two mistakes instead of one by not benching him sooner. So we'll see. Hopefully he can get it together and Frank Wright can realize that he needs to call more running plays. That'd be fantastic. But, <laughs> but, but to make a switch, just to make the argument to make the move to Brissett now, you'd put him in an offense where the, where the running game's not working. Yeah. So I mean, it, it would be counterproductive. There, You'd be handicapping so, him too. Right correct. Now. So it, it's, but it is great to talk about. But I, I know Frank, and I, I think he is as almost as all in as you can be on a player. Sure, sounds like it. So uh, barring you know, <laughs> whatever the the absolute catastrophe w- would be, I don't know or injury. Which when you've got an immobile quarterback, that can happen. But Rivers like never gets injured. That's the thing. Yeah. He starts. He starts. He, he plays. He plays. He played with an ACL tear in the playoffs. He's for Gumby. Out loud. Damn it. Yeah. 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 No. Well, when you think about the overall ceiling of this team, wouldn't and imagine Rivers is playing well or Brissett playing well, wouldn't the ceiling be higher with a Rivers playing That's well than a Brissett? Exactly. That's why he's here. I mean, so, because they, they knew what the ceiling was with Brissett. Yep. So even even not only admitting the mistake with Rivers, but it would be admitting, okay, our ceiling's not as high this season yep. as we thought that's it was. Why it, that's why it's going to take something, as bad as it sounds, worse than Cleveland mm-hmm. to have it done. And I mean really worse than Cleveland. Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's fun to talk about, and it ain't happening. It's always fun. To, everything's fun to talk that's about. Right. That's why we're here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone to get more Colts news delivered to you throughout the week. Now it's time for game predictions as the Colts take on the Bengals. And I uh, do have the line before we get yeah, to Yeah, go these. ahead. Yeah, what is that now that you finally updated your uh, <laughs> your degenerate app over there? So it's at uh, Colts minus eight. So okay. it's eight points. Yep. Um, the over or under is 46 and a half. Oh, geez. So it's like they're saying like, what, 24 to... 20 uh, something. Sorry, it would be more than that. It would be like 20, 28 to 20, right around there, 27 to 19, yep. right in that range. So that that's 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 what the experts say right now. Huh, intriguing. Now we can make our game predictions since we know what the experts think about it. Um, let's see. What 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 did we both say last week, Joe? Did you put them on here? Uh, I don't see week fives up here. Dead gummit. I know we all we all picked the uh, the Browns last week, so we are uh, twenty four yeah, twenty. I un- think we are unfortunately all correct. Um, I think mine was around that too. I wasn't that as high scoring as it was, but geez, the Cleveland Browns have now played four games in a row that they've scored 30 points or more. And even just last week, I was talking to our good friend, PJ Ziegler at Fox eight in Cleveland. Um, he was saying that the Browns had scored 30 points three weeks in a row. And it was the first time they had done that since the 1960s. 66, I think it was. So now they've scored it four weeks in a row. That's a heck of a team. I think they've got the Steelers uh, coming up, if not this weekend, in the immediate future. I think it's this weekend. It's this weekend, yeah. So that's going to be a great game. I think it should be. Mayfield can play. He's got the rib. Right. And that, like, here's the thing about that injury. I'll tell you this before we get our prediction. Sorry for for the tangent, but he got hurt on the play that probably should have been blown dead. Because somebody, I forget who it was, whichever Colts player got into the backfield, it was a defensive lineman. It seemed like before the snap, but they let it play, and he got taken down in the backfield. He got hurt on that play, and they called the penalty and then moved him forward a bit. And then the next play, you could see that he was hurt. Like So it's a play that never should have happened. I'm sure that Cleveland is not happy with how that worked out that I mean the call it's hard to fault the Colts player you're playing you're trying to take him down there's no whistle you sack the quarterback play, it's what play you do. The whistle. exactly but uh, you can certainly I think if you're a Cleveland Browns fan fault the referees for what happened on that play because he definitely got hurt on that play and then went out went to the medical tent and he was never the same after that well and that's the other side of you know you see Aaron Rodgers do this constantly where he tries to draw him off get a free play and chuck it well yep. that's why they blow him dead sometimes yep. for health concerns yep yep indeed so now back to our predictions for the week. After our, 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 my <laughs> we quick tend tangent. to lose our direction. I know. It's, it's mainly my fault. I'm, I'm supposed to be the guy that keeps us tethered, but I, I certainly do not. Um, Col- Colts-Bengals this weekend inside Lucas Oil Stadium. Colts are 2-0 at their home field this year. 
There will be uh, fans inside Lucas Oil once again. This is great. Um, 12,000? Is it 12,000? I think it's 12. Yep. Yep. So that's about one sixth, one fifth ish. Six math. Yeah. Something like that. I, I was math. told there would be no math. Know. Anyway, to our predictions. Let's not, let's not get <laughs> off track again. again. Yeah, it's my fault again. Uh, I'll start, and then Mike, you go, and then Joe, you'll wrap us up. Uh, my prediction for this week is the Colts take on the Bengals. Um, I, I, I do think the Colts are able to, to handle them a bit this week. Once again, I'm being optimistic that Frank Reich will decide to run the ball more than he decides to pass the ball. And uh, this is going to be a uh, grind them into the ground game. And the Colts are better at that. And the offensive line is going to move the defensive line of the Bengals around. And I'll give the Colts the win uh, 24 to 9 this weekend. I think the Colts defense uh, answers the bell after getting pushed around a little bit last week by an admittedly very good Browns offense. They face a uh, certainly not to the level of the Browns uh, in the Bengals this weekend. So 24 to 9 is my pick. Mike, what you got? I I get I, I think this is more of a, a Jets ish game. I've got thirty one thirteen. I think I think the offense is going to do. They're they're going to look like they know what they're doing. I think they will run the ball. I think they'll finish drives. I think they get out early, maybe twenty to three at the half or something. Maybe I'm totally underselling the Bengals. I I don't think so because I I do. After Sunday, I trust the defense. I think this defense is legit. Cleveland had a really really good first half. They made three incredible plays. They did to keep the drive, keep drives going. Yes. So kudos to them. But the Colts were in position. I think this is a game where you simply go out, you, you do what you need to do both sides. You get your three or four sacks, get your touchdowns instead of field goals, and then go into the bye week hopefully healthy. Joe, I'm going to go thirty to seventeen Colts on this one. Um, I'll g- given the Bengals the most points, but I'm kind of assuming one touchdown comes in garbage time. We've seen that a couple weeks this year. Sounds good to me. We, we're all back on back on the side of the good guys this week. So We're on, we're on that bandwagon. Yes, we are. For a week. For, for some reason, after seeing them all lose last week. Now, you know how mad I would have been at myself if I picked them to lose and then they won? No yep. faith. No well, faith. Well, we, the faith is back. <laughs> and as I mentioned, you can follow us on uh, on Twitter at Colt Blue Zone throughout the week. Mike Chappell is at mchappell fifty one. You can read his work online, fox59.com, cbs4indy.com. I am Dave Griffiths. You can follow me at DaveG underscore sports. And Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe, chipping in with some fantasy advice, of course, from here to there and everywhere. Maybe you can trade Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for a Dalvin Cook if you're out there like Joe did, just in case Le'Veon Bell is, in fact, coming to the Chiefs sometime in the near future. So we thank you for listening. Please download, subscribe to get this delivered to your podcast listening device week after week. And also leave us a review or a comment on iTunes. That certainly helps us out a lot as well. This has been the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. We'll see you next week. 